guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the Cincinnati Reds, who just got done sweeping the Tweety Birds. I love it. I love it. I love it. For the first time since 1990. That was a pretty good year. They, uh, I think they went to the World Series. I think they went wire to wire. But anytime you can beat the Tweety Birds is a great day here in Cincinnati. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,128 subscribers. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell everybody about Sports with Strawberry Ice. Let's try to get that up to 10,000, 100,000. Get as many viewers as we can. Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys. So, like I said, we're coming off a four-game series sweep. Friday, me and Jeff Carr were talking about, you know, I don't know if we're going to do anything, yada, yada, yada. I said, well, they need to do something, and it'd be great if they swept the Tweety Birds. And lo and behold, they did. <laughs> I'm shocked. So, today's guest from the Cincinnati Inquirer and Reds beat writer is another other than Bobby Nightingale. Hey, Bobby, how you doing, bro? Doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for joining. I, I, like I said, we were talking about this before the show started. It's last week. It's, you know, I don't know. Are the Reds going to be uh, sellers or are they going to be in this thing at all? And then turn around. Jesse Winker hits three home runs. The Cassianos has a 21 game hitting streak. We actually had starting pitching. Our bullpen was, well, we had two guys out of the bullpen that were good, but the rest of them, nah. But they they won four in a row. I mean, this season goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, and I think that's kind of just the the, the division as a whole. I mean, every I think every team's kind of fit into that. The Cubs have had their ups and downs. Uh, the Cardinals obviously down just because of the all the injuries they have right now. Uh, the Brewers were down for a bit. Now they're as hot as any team in baseball. Um, and then the Reds, you know, I mean, they were went into the series seven back. You got nervous. It was almost like. Yeah. It was like, you know, by the time Votto gets back, Mustaka, Senzel, are they already going to be out of it? Right. Um, this, 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 that was a huge weekend. Yeah, they, they started seven back. They're four out now. I mean, that's – and then that's that's what's – I've said this before. It's so frustrating about this team that if they would have done a little bit more in the offseason, we would be in this all the time. I mean, they they literally had a bullpen where they had two guys this whole, this whole series that they could count on. I mean, Armin Garrett, or, or, excuse me, Armin Garrett did not even pitch, and he was supposed to be, you know, our stud, our closer, our breakout guy, and he didn't even see the field at all for four games in St. Louis, and that includes a game where we had a seven-run lead, which we ended up losing in one inning. But that's beside the point. But that, what does that say about Garrett and where he's at, and how David Bell feels about him right now? Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I mean, it just. The, the Cardinals don't have many left-handed hitters. I mean, you look at it like Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tommy Edmonds, a switch hitter. Um, Dylan Carlson's a switch hitter. So there's not many favorable matchups. He's only pitched once against the Cardinals this whole year, um, including, you know, that first series of the season. Then they, uh, the Reds got swept in St. Louis in April. So he, he's only pitched against them once this whole year. So it's one of those, I, I think they want to stay away from him matchup-wise. Sean Doolittle um, only pitched once, too. Um, and he didn't record an out when he did. So I think it's one of those they wanted to keep stay away from their lefties if they could. Um, but obviously it says they don't trust him against right-handed pitching right now, which, um, you know, it's just kind of the way his season's been going. He's struggled 
um, a lot more than anyone kind of expected. Um, I, I think David Bell still has a lot of faith in him, but it's one of those, let's just make sure uh, we're sticking to the matchups that favor him the best to get him back on track versus putting him in a tough situation where he gets in around a little bit more. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I, that's a, actually a good point. I, I didn't even think of it that way, but I, that, that, uh, that just goes to, I guess, if you've ever watched my show, I've never been a big David Bell fan, but to be honest, I think David Bell managed this past weekend perfectly. I don't know how, what else he could have done. I mean, he went the, the, to set the tone Friday night. He went straight to Anton and straight to Sims to get that win. Now, Luis Castellanos, or excuse me, Luis Castillo. I do that every time. Luis Castillo pitched his best game of the year. So that helped a ton. And they were able to, you know, patchwork the bullpen to the end. And that gave uh, Sims and, and uh, uh, Anton a day off. But just the way he managed it and the way he wasn't, to me, he, he's starting to become a manager, I think. At least it seems like to me this year. He, like when he first started, every game was game seven of the World Series. You know, he'd get pitchers in and out, move this guy, double switch this guy. It seems like he's more letting the players play a little bit more. I, I, how, do you, how do you feel about how way David Bell has been doing this year? Yeah, I, I agree kind of to that extent. I mean, I thought the first year he rode the bullpen as hard as possible. Yeah, it was almost like you could tell by August. It was like, these guys are really going to be worn out. Just he kept using – it'd be like using Anton trying to do use him every game. So what you can do with those guys. I mean, Anton, um, you know, he's a starter by nature, but now he's in this relief role. He, like Josh Hader, when Josh Hader was with the Brewers and he was using some other role, he pitched every – other like he wouldn't pitch back to back days no matter what, um, and so I, I think that's kind of what the Reds were hoping to do with Antone is um, you know obviously they weren't hoping to use him Sunday when they had a seven run lead but um, yeah. got forced to using him but it, it's one of those I, I think he's one it's by necessity I mean injuries are kind of forcing it out of the bullpen you know Sims and Antone are obviously the two guys you trust the most mm-hmm. help starters do a lot better um, you know I thought I thought the one move he could have made was keep Miley in for one more inning on Sunday, but also you have to look at the flip side is you had a seven run lead. I mean, if you can't trust your bullpen with a seven run lead, you don't have a bullpen. So um, I I don't take fault with it, but I I could see, you know, Wade Miley through five shutout innings. I could see why you'd want him to go one more. Right. Exactly. And, and well, the thing is too, is, is this one I've I've been thinking about, just think speaking of the seven run lead we had, how differently would would we be talking about this series if the Reds had lost Yesterday, if they because because it wasn't like the Cardinals just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away at the at, at the at the lead, it was all in one inning and it was all against their bullpen. <laughs> they they scored seven runs in one inning to tie the game up, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! I'm just freaking out here. They're going, you guys. I mean, they scored five runs before they had zero out. They had nobody out. Fort scored five runs, and I'm just like, this cannot be actually happening. But luckily, step his home run. Of the game, but how how differently would, would we be talking about the series right now if they had lost? Not the fact that they they lost the game, but just how they would have lost it. Yeah, I mean, I think going into the weekend, if you would have said, "Hey, they take three out of four, I think everyone would have been happy with that. Um, you know, just the Reds were they were at in their season. I, I definitely think everyone would have been uh, happy with three out of four. But losing that way, a seven run lead, you can't lose those type of games. Um, especially when you're in tight division like they are. I mean, it's going to come down to September. Um, I, I don't see any team pulling away and winning the division at, um, outright. I mean, they're lucky they're not in the same division with the Dodgers and the Potters and the Giants. 
um, and some teams. So I, I think it's going to be jam-packed, and I think it's one of those you can't afford to lose games uh, that you shouldn't be losing. And fortunately for the Reds, they've had they've had a few of those. Um, I, I think back to the Arizona Diamondbacks home series when they got swept by the Diamondbacks at home. Um, that was one where I felt like they should have won all three games and they let them all slip away. But other than that, they basically won all the games they should be winning uh, when it gets to the late innings. Um, and, and then they've obviously lost their share of games too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that Arizona Diamondbacks, they, they, for some reason, we can't beat them. And I saw, I don't know if you tweeted out or somebody t- tweeted out the Reds' record. Basically, they have a winning record against every division, including the American League, except for the NL West. Everybody else, I think, were above 500 on. And the crazy part about the NOS is they they took two out of three against the Dodgers. Too. Right, right, exactly. And they, they never played good out there. I mean, just uh, just like the beginning of the season, we started out, you know, what six and one, and then we go out west and we lose seven in a row. So I mean, yeah, out, going out west has always has always been hard for the Reds. But let's talk about Jesse Winker, the Wink. What a game yesterday! Three home runs, and that's the second time this year he's hit multi home runs in a, in a single game. Did People underestimate him as far as his power and how good of a major player he has become because not only has he improved offensively, he's also improved defensively as well. Yeah, I mean, he just keeps getting better, and I think that's a a tribute to his work ethic and what he keeps doing each year. I I don't know if people underestimated him. him. It was just he had never hit for power that much, and there were some reasons for that. Um, You know, he had a wrist injury in the minor leagues. Um, kind of had to figure out major league pitching. But I remember talking to Joey Votto in 20, 2019, I think, early 2019. He says, hey, if Winker ever starts hitting for power, he's going to be one of the best hitters in the National League. And you're seeing that now. Oh, yeah. He, he leads the league in homers. I don't know if anyone would have predicted that where he's leading the league in homers more in June. Um, but he's, he's always been a great hitter. He's always been a guy who's going to get on base a ton. Uh, kind of has a little bit of Joey Votto in him where um, mm-hmm. both have a high average, they're going to get a high on base percentage. Um, so he's always had that. If he it, now that he's hitting for power, I mean, that unlocks a huge part of his game. And you're right, he has improved defensively. I mean, he's not he's not a gold glove winner. Um, but he used to be awful <laughs> there when he when a ball went to him, you're like, uh oh, yeah. Uh, but now you don't even notice him in left field. And I think that's kind of a, a credit to him, is you don't even notice that he's out there. Yeah, that's the same thing with, with, with Nick Castellanos, too. I mean, he made a great running catch yesterday. I mean, he probably ran, well, I don't know, 50 feet to, to catch that right at the warning track. I don't think he makes that. I don't think Nick uh, Castellanos makes that catch last year because that's another thing where I think he's improved his all-around game, too, as well as far as offense and defense because neither one of these guys are look to be, anyway, look to be like trying to lift and separate. They both just – keep talking about trying to hit the ball hard somewhere. And if you look at Castellanos, a lot of times if the pitch is outside, he'll shoot it to right field. He's not trying to pull it off. And I think the same thing with Winker. Where the ball's uh, pitched, they're just trying to hit it hard somewhere. And if it goes out, it goes out. And I, I think that's a key that more major league players should try and do. That's what they used to do when I was a kid. I mean, Pete Rose always said, you know, hit the ball hard somewhere, hit it back up the middle, uh, Tony Perez, see the ball, hit the ball. You know, they didn't try to, to do anything extra with it. And that's where I, I think it's a testament to what these guys, the hard work they've put into and how how it's working for them. And I think other major league players should take notice of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's easier said than done, uh, easier said than done, though. I mean, I think, you know, Nick Castellanos, there's a reason he got paid 
um, you know, $64 million when he signed his contract with the Reds. There's a reason why, uh, you know, Jesse Winker was a high draft pick and people kind of predicted that he was always going to be a guy who could hit. They didn't know he could hit for power, but they knew he could hit. Um, but those guys take advantage to all fields. And, and I think it's especially impressive that, you know, they're both hitting above 350. And this year, in recent years too, but this is the hardest era to get a base hit now. I mean, the, obviously a lot of guys are selling out for power, trying to hit more home runs. Um, you hear about it with launch angle and exit velocity, but, um, you know, it's not easy to get a base hit anymore with the shifts and everything else that is al- along with the game. And uh, these two guys are just trying to make it look easy. I mean, 350 batting average, Jesse Winker, he was on base in half of his uh, plate appearances this past weekend. Yeah, exactly. I got a graphic here. There, here is. This is J- Jesse Winker. Right now, 305 average. 17 home runs and a 1,077 OPS. I mean, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. And like you said, especially right now with with the sh- shifting and everything, it's that's not easy to do. I'm like, excuse me, like I said, they're they're making it look easy, but it's not. It's not easy at all. It's just it's fun to watch them play. It's fun when when the Reds are playing like this and they're winning. Obviously, it, it makes it a lot more fun, but. The, there's still a glaring hole in this bullpen. I'll bring this up here that uh, Orange Arrow had this comment here. He goes, even though we won, there are questions still needs to be answered about the bullpen. And that's my question is, do you see them or are you hearing anything about them going out and getting somebody or bringing up somebody for the minor leagues? Like we talked about before the show started, um, and I already forgot his name, I asked his name. The kid who struck out the seven or eight batters. The Tony Santino. Yes, thank you. Tony Santino. Any, any talk of bringing him up? Any talk of trying to make some trades or, or anything? Have you heard anything like that? Uh, not Nothing imminent, but, I mean, they have been trying to address it. I mean, you look at, like, Keith Hembry, who's been – he's been pretty decent in the bullpen, had his rough patch lately, but started off the year really well. I mean, he, he was a not a waiver claim, but a guy they added right at the end of spring training. Uh, Brad Brock, they signed right before the minor league season began um, and called him up. Um, so they they tried different things. I think Vladimir Gutierrez, if Jeff Hoffman didn't get hurt and, mm-hmm. and wasn't created in the rotation, I definitely think Vladimir Gutierrez was uh, kind of the next guy up in the bullpen if there was an opening there. So I thought he was pretty close. Tony Santion, same thing. I think he's as close to the major leagues as you can get uh, for a guy at AAA. I think he's just waiting for a spot to open up. Uh, but, you know, even like Ryan Hendricks, who got called up. I mean, he he has nasty stuff. He, he pitched a scoreless inning after the – kind of the debacle in the sixth inning yesterday, I think it's the seventh, uh, which was important. I mean, you give up another run after that, it's a pretty inflating feeling once you give up the lead. Right. Uh, he did a good job holding on to it. So they're, they're trying different guys. I mean, um, you know, they've rotated Jose De Leon. He walked a ton of guys and got sent down. CNL Perez, they've tried a lot of different things with him, and he's still walking too many guys, and he gets sent down. Um, Cam Bedrosian, he got uh, cut pretty early into the season. So I mean, they're rotating through a lot of bullpen guys. It's just seeing, kind of seeing what guys stick and what guys don't. But um, you know, if they're say that say they're a little bit closer, say they're leading the division in July, I got I, I definitely think you have to make a move to get a reliever to, um, and also to help Michael Lorenzen should be back um, in the next few weeks, and that'll be a big boost to the bullpen too. Yeah, my, my only issue is is, and this is where I I, I hope the ownership is thinking like this because. There, there's only certain years, so many years that you have a chance to win. And this year, the Reds have a team that can win. They, they can go to the playoffs. How far they go to the playoffs, I have no idea. But they have a chance to, to make it. And to me, this is where ownership 
needs to step up. Like Bob Castellini, when he bought the team, he says he's going to bring championship baseball back to Cincinnati. Well, this is a year that he can bring it back. And we have, and then he handcuffs the, the, the front office, you know, so they got to get, get rid of players and they got to do less, you know, spend less money, but he still wants to win, which doesn't really make any sense in this age of baseball. So we're, we're here now. And this team is trying like crazy. I mean, they are all in, they're trying as hard as they can to win. David Bell, like I said, David Bell is managing his butt off. To me, Castellini needs to tell Crawl, go get me somebody. And we go get, you know, so proving guys, not not guys that, you know, well, we get, we picked them up from here. They were okay. Yeah. And no, so I don't, and it, I know easier said than done because everybody wants proven guys. That's why they should have done the offseason. But that's where I'm just like, I, I want, this is what I want them to do. And I think most Reds want, most Reds fans want them to do this is go all in when you have a shot to win it. Go for it. And I hope Bob is thinking that, but I don't know. The way he wanted to do the offseason, I'm not sure if they're they're, they're thinking that, that that way or not. I mean, I definitely think, and I talked to Nick Cassianos actually about it a, about a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, you know, last year they did go all in. I mean, they spent more money than they did in the previous decade combined in free agency, getting Moustakas, Cassianos, Shogo, and Wade Miley. Um, you know, they went out and traded for Trevor Bauer. They traded some of their top prospects. They weren't afraid to do that. And if the offense hits like it is now, and they still had the pitching they had last oh, yeah. you know, Castillo was at his peak. Trevor Bauer, obviously a Cy Young season. Sonny Gray. I mean, that's a team that had legitimate World Series aspirations if they could have hit last year. Unfortunately, it was a 60-game season. Nobody could predict that. Um, and they didn't hit at all. And right. they lost them a chance in the playoffs. I mean, they – they pitched as well as anybody could against the Braves when they got swept out of the playoffs. So I, I think the commitment's there. I, I understand why they cut payroll this offseason. The pandemic was there. I, I think the best sign, though, is they're back to 100% capacity, I think, sooner than anyone would have expected. I think going into the season, you were like, maybe by the all-star break, you can have full fans back in the in Great American ballpark. The fact it's June and you're able to do that, I think, can only help in saying, okay, um, you know, if we save some money during the season – um, now we're going to have a little bit more revenue. Uh, maybe we can make some more moves as things get back to normal too in other businesses. Right. Let, let, let's hope so. I just, I just don't want them because to me, like right now they're playing so good. You know, got, I want them to capitalize on, on this because you got our big series come up here against Milwaukee. Milwaukee uh, is in first place right now. You got you know, Cubs and, and Milwaukee are flipping back and forth between first and second place. So this is a, another big series coming up for the Reds. And again, and I hate to say, you know, make or break, but I really do think it is because you could, I mean, the, this team is proven, you know, they can go, they can win six in a row and then they can turn around and lose seven in a row. So, I mean, they could go and sweep uh, St. Louis and then turn around and get swept by Milwaukee. And that's what I'm, a, uh, I don't want to happen. That's where I'm like, I always feel like they do something to give this team a shot in the arm, a boost saying, Hey, we're with you. You know, you guys are doing good and let's get you some help. That's just, it would be nice if they do that. I know. My uh, one of my loyal listeners, Crown Apple Kid, is dying for them to bring up Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Now, I don't think either one of them. Sh- well, Nick Lodolo probably, in my mind, is is more ready than Hunter Green. Um, I don't know what what's your thoughts on, on bringing those two up and. Well, I, th- I think first of all, I mean the fact that they're both dominating at Double A. That's that's huge news. I mean, if you can develop pitching on a consistent basis. It's the reason the Cardinals have been so good for so long. It's the reason why Cleveland's been so good for so long. If you can develop a team, that's huge for the organization, no matter what time they get called up. 
No, I, I think they're further away than people probably want them to be. I, I think maybe at the end of the season, if they keep pitching well, there's a chance. Um, but, you know, Hunter Green, he, he made a spring training start. He got beat around in the first inning. Nick Lodolo, every time he's pitched at the big league level, not every time, but most of the time he's pitched at the big league level, he's been hit around as well. And, you know, it's a big jump. They're dominating double-A hitters. We also remember they're facing double-A hitters. You know, right. they're not facing big leaguers yet. So I think there's a big jump that they still need to make. Um, and, you know, you look at like Jose Garcia. They, they rushed him last year, kind of out of necessity. They didn't have a shortstop. Um, but still don't have a shortstop. <laughs> now he's back in double-A. So, right. um, but, you know, it's one of those, you can't crush the kid's confidence. You don't want to call up green. He comes up, he has a nine ERA, and then it kind of, you know, takes him a year to recover mentally to say, okay, I still have my stuff and all that. I, I think they want, they're, they're going to be a little bit more patient. Um, and, you know, I, I think like Tony Santion at AAA, I think he's a lot closer and I think he's a lot more ready for the big leagues. And um, like Vladimir Gutierrez, you know, they waited on him. And um, I, I think he's a lot more ready now than he would have been last year. Yeah. Vladimir Gutierrez. I mean, I guess that's kind of the shot that I want to talk about. Cause I mean, honestly, when he came up, uh, it seems like the, the pitching staff started turning around. I mean, no, he didn't. He, he didn't, you know, pitch lights out, but he pitched really good in his first two major league appearances ever against some two really good uh, ball clubs. And that's that is, I don't know if that's the shot in the arm that they, they this pitching staff needs because like right now, hopefully they keep pitching like they are. But right now. Or I'll put this last week, we've had five pretty solid starting pitchers, and that's the first time we've had that all year. And if you can get five solid starting pitchers going at least five, six innings, then that makes your bullpen that's not that good, not as um, – you don't have to rely on, on them as much. So, I mean, I think that was a good thing that that he came up here. What um, what are the chances you think that he – how, how, what's your thoughts on Gutierrez? Like, how's he been looking? How, you know, how, just what, what's your thoughts on Gutierrez? I put that that way. Yeah, I, I thought he's handled it well for a guy that, you know, he's only two starts into his big league career. He looks a little bit more experienced than that. He's attacking hitters, which is good to see. Um, his velocity is actually lower than it usually is. I mean, I, I, I've been surprised. Chicago was really cold and really windy. So it didn't mm-hmm. surprise me there, but St. Louis, it didn't jump up like the way I thought it would. But usually he's closer to like the upper 90s. And if he gets up there, um, you know, that just makes his pitchers that much tougher. Um, but, yeah, he's been he's been a nice addition. Obviously, it's helped that, you know, he came up at the same time, like Castillo starting to look a little bit better. Sonny Gray, um, you know, he, he's been up and down. He's being a little bit more consistent. Um, so it, it's just one of those, you know, Jeff Hoffman started off the season well, then started to fade. And, and I thought it was a good uh, – job by Gutierrez. He's do, doing the most to kind of keep that job even when Hoffman's back in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, my opinion right now, if he, he has another start like he's had the last two, I don't – I me personally, I don't think about the rotation. I, I'll put Hoffman in, in the bullpen. And, and that might be – maybe that's better suited for Hoffman too. Who knows? Because, you know, when you're in the bullpen, you don't have to pace yourself as much. You know, you can throw as hard as as you want, you know, because you're only out there for an inning or two. So maybe that, that would help him. I, I don't know. Just Just a thought. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a, a legitimate possibility. I mean, Hoffman was in the bullpen for the Rockies last year, um, didn't start any game. So I think that's possible. And e- even if the Reds flipped it the other way and Gutierrez ended up in the pen, I think either one of them, I think, strengthens the bullpen one way or another. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know um, uh, some people have are 
talking about the Reds' rebuild that that they, we just went through, and none of us want to rebuild again. And talking about how you know we didn't get you know nine All Star players or whatever like the Cubs did and the Astros did when when they rebuilt. But this is just one of my buddies sent me this. This is what the uh, the top prospects for the Reds are right now, and they they're all moving up. And Hunter Green went from six from ninety seven to sixty one. Uh, Jose Bar- Barno, uh, uh, he was previously 74 ranked, 71. I think you go down the line, they all have moved moved up. I mean, Lodola wasn't even ranked, so these are all from the American minor league top 100 prospects. So, this is a good thing for the future as well. And to me, those are your top ones, so those are ones that you don't trade, but there are guys that are down in the minors that they could possibly, possibly trade to try to get some bullpen help. I know I keep talking about that, but to me, the bullpen is the biggest problem with this team. And it might be if you get Hoffman and you put him in the, back in the bullpen or, or Gutierrez, either way, I mean, if you can just get at least two more guys that you can actually count on, if they can ever get Garrett straightened back out, two more guys down there with, with Anton and Sims, that changes the bullpen completely around. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of the thing that – you know, every every good team could always use more better relievers. Um, you know, you look at like a team like the Milwaukee Brewers. That's why they're so successful. You have Devin Williams and Josh Hader. They have some good relievers in front of them, but they have a lead after the seventh inning. The game's over uh, with those two at the back. The Reds haven't been able to use, you know, Anton and Sims. They can't save them just for the back just because, um, you know, they need more consistency in the fifth and sixth innings too. So that that's kind of where I think, you know, Michael Lorenzen could step in and, um, you know, Jeff Hoffman or Vladimir Gutierrez, one of those two, or, um, you know, you, you, if, if they're in a position to add at the trade deadline, obviously I think that's the, where they have to do it is address the bullpen a little bit more, find some reliever. Um, obviously Amir Garrett, if he, if he figures his stuff out and um, kind of gets back to where he was, that was supposed to be a three headed monster back there and it dropped too. But, um, you know, I, I think it's not as dire as it seems as right now. Obviously, they, they had a bad Sunday, yeah. um, and, and they have the highest ERA in the majors right now, bullpen ERA. But I, I do think there's arms that are on the way, you know, like Lorenzen, um, like Garrett, who should improve. I, I I can't imagine he's this bad all season, um, where th- things will turn around at least a little bit for the, for the bullpen. Yeah, Gar- Garrett's the one that's been so frustrating because his, his velocity isn't down. You know, it's it's – it's kind of like him and Luis Castillo are kind of like, they look like the same people like Castillo. I think his biggest problem is he's not, he hasn't been fooling people, people on his changeup like he was earlier. Garrett, I don't know what it is because he just, everything he's throwing, it's like grooved right down the middle. I mean, you can throw it hundred miles an hour to a major baseball player and they're going to hit it out, you know? So I, I, it's Garrett has been re- very frustrating to try to figure out what's going on. People say, "Oh, he talks too much. He does this. He's always talked a lot." I mean, that that's, that had nothing to do with it, you know. It's kind of you know silly to talk a lot when you're getting getting your ass kicked. But I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping. I thought he was starting to turn around, but then he had that last outing. I think it was against the Phillies where we had. I'm trying to remember. We were close or within, within one run, I think, or it was tied. He gave up like three runs or two home runs in one inning or something like that. Yeah, gave up a homer to McCutcheon. Yeah. Um, but what's weird about him is he's not even pitching that well against left-handed hitters. And traditionally throughout his career, that's been, you know, he, maybe he struggles against righties, but he's always dominated lefties, especially with his slider. Um, and this is the first season where he hasn't done that. 
So I, I don't know if it's a mechanical thing. Like you, like you said, I mean, the stuff's there. Um, it's not like he suddenly can't throw a slider or his fastball lost a ton of velocity. Um, just the execution's not there. And it's the same thing with Luis Castillo. Um, as, as you mentioned, his changeups is not getting as many swings and misses. And I think that's thrown off him a lot. And every mistake he's uh, leaving over the plate is getting hammered. Um, so it, it's one of those that they both have the talent. Um, it's still like you look at like all the guys who struggled last year in the 60 game season. I mean, this is still the first 60 games. Of right. the season. So I, I wouldn't make any grand conclusions like Castillo's not going to be good anymore. Or Garrett's not going to be good anymore. Um, there's, there's still a lot of season. You look at like Michael Lorenzen who had the terrible start to last year, 2020, and he was able to save his season by turning it around at the end. So it, it's one of those, there's, there's enough time left where those guys can figure it out. Um, it's just the team can't afford them to, to wait too long before they do figure it out. Right. That, that's the thing that, that like I said, that going into, I know it's June. We keep saying it's early, but like Joey Votto says, it's getting early late around here. Cause we were just seven games out. That's why I really do think this series, this past series with, with the Tweety Birds was a must win. This Milwaukee series to me is a must win. I mean, they, they have to come in there and keep this momentum going. Cause if, they, cause if you don't, like I said, everybody's so, so uh, tight in this, this division, like, like we said, at the beginning of the show, a week ago, we're seven games out. Now we're four. We go into Milwaukee. You could be seven games out, or you could almost be in second place by the time you leave, by the time you leave here. So to me, I, I do, I hate saying it's a must win here in June, but I think it is. How do, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, you have to beat up on your division rivals. I mean, that's the that's the way to do it, to climb up in the standings. And they, they did it against St. Louis. Milwaukee, they've won nine out of their last ten, I believe. So, I mean, they're they're a hot team, unlike the Cardinals who were kind of fading when they played the Reds and um, had the, all the injuries pile up. They're, they're going to play a hot team, and that's, it's going to be a tough challenge for them. But when you're playing at home, you have to win series. So, I, I think – if winning two out of three it would be a good news for the Reds, um, you know, I, you sweep them, obviously that's the cherry on top. Um, but then you have the Rockies afterwards too. So it's like you could carry a lot of momentum if you series against the Brewers. Yeah. And the problem is you say after the Brewers, if we go out West again, <laughs> so, and then we've, we've already said how, how we haven't done that good against Arizona. Well, hell we didn't do that good against the Rockies last time out in Colorado either. So to me, that puts even more of an emphasis on how big, this this series with Milwaukee is they they have to win you know two out of three at least you know if we get all sweep them that'd be awesome but that rolls into like I said you gotta you gotta win the series that against your divisional opponents you have to win those and the Reds are still one of the better teams at home I mean that's still a thing so they have a very good shot I think of carrying this momentum into the season or into the series and. It's going to be fun to watch, and we need – the next person who's got to step up for the Reds as far as the starting pitching go is Sonny Gray. Now, I don't think he pitched all that bad last time. He just had a couple mistakes here and there, and the Reds' offense couldn't capitalize on the opportunities that they were given. But Sonny Gray is not, still not pitching like the Sonny Gray of, of last year. So if we can get him going and Luis Castillo going, we this could be a fun summer after all. But you think Sonny Gray is – Getting closer to the old Sonny Gray, or what's your thoughts on, on him and his, his season so far? Yeah, I mean, it's been hard to tell. He's just kind of been inconsistent. I mean, he's had some great starts and some not so great. Um, but, you know, going into the season, it was like, okay, Red starting pitching. Luis Castillo is going to be an ace, and Sonny Gray is going to be right there with him. And then you just hoped Tyler Malley could take a step forward and Wade Miley would be healthy. And 
um, could provide some big innings. And as it turned out, Tyler Malley has been fantastic. Wade Miley has been even better. I mean, he mm-hmm. everything they could have hoped. Um, and the two guys they thought were going to be the studs at the top of the rotation have struggled. So it's one of those, if, if those guys turn it around, I think that changes your whole season. Um, so, you know, a lot's running on Sonny Gray. He knows that. I mean, he knows he, he, he can pitch better um, than he has. And um, I, it's one of those, he, he started the season late because of an injury. I, I think it took him a little bit to, he didn't really have a spring training either to kind of get feel out for the start of the season. Um, so it's one of those, maybe he's kind of, this, this is April now, um, just because he didn't have a spring training. Right. Right, right, exactly. And how good a move did did you? And I, I keep I'm telling you, I'm just praising David Bell for right here, which is very unlike me here. But how good of a move was it to put Jonathan India at, at leadoff? I, I loved it. I think it was. I mean, I couldn't stand Gino being up there, but I understood why he did it. Trying to get Gino some more fastballs, and you know, hit have uh, 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 Jesse Winker and, and Nick Castellanos behind him. But move Jonathan India up there. And, I think it was a great move. I think India actually likes it. I think because he, he, he said that after the game, I think Saturday that was an honor to, to for him to to, to lead off. But I, I really like that that move and just how Jonathan India has. I think he's made an adjustment. You know, he's not he's not the leg kick guy, guy anymore. He's the two toe tap guy. But that's what you have to do to be a major league baseball player. You know, they come up, they see you, you start hitting like crazy. They make adjustments. He's made the adjustment. I think that is great news for him and the Reds moving forward yeah i think if 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 he can hit like he did just has this past month how he did in the first week of the season that's huge for the lineup i mean that's just lengthening it out a little bit more especially with moustakis and senzel out i mean that's huge what he's been doing Votto, he he's probably back tomorrow so it'll be interesting to see how they, they how david writes his lineup out tomorrow just knowing um you know Votto's usually been hitting i think third um you know winker lead off with cassiano second Votto third be interesting if he goes back to that or um, does something different with Votto. Um, but just having India hit the way he has, I mean, that's huge. I mean, Suarez at some point you have to think is going to be hit. I better hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there's he's another one that I'm like, all right, looks like he's getting out of it. And then he goes over six and then he hit a home run. I think that he really didn't do a whole lot this weekend. I mean, he did hit, hit a home run, which was, which was a big hit for them at the time. But uh, let's get back to, to, to Votto. Um, yeah, normally I think he's been at the three-hole, but my opinion, actually, we'll see what David Bell does. My opinion, I think you put Votto either at fourth or fifth hole. And I think that also depends if uh, Nyquin is back in the lineup because I know he tweaked his hamstring or something because he's been hitting fourth a lot too. So I, my personal opinion, I think Votto is going to hit uh, fourth or fifth. Is I don't think – anyway, where, where do you think they'll put him at? Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I mean, I think, uh, you know, when jo- when Joey's hitting well, obviously you want him at the top of the lineup just because of his on-base uh, percentage. He's hitting for more power this year, but, um, you know, to have him on base in front of Winker or Cassianos would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, coming back from an injury, it'll be interesting to see how he mix- mixes with everybody. I mean, you don't want to put India all the way down at the bottom either. You don't want when hitting seventh or anything like that, so – be interesting to see how he fits back in. Um, I, I bet it's I, – I would guess Winker, Cassiano, it goes back to the traditional way. Hey, my, I could I could definitely see that too because, I mean, it was – I mean, hell, Winker and Cassiano's were batting one-two for, I mean, 90% of the season so far. So, yeah, I, I could totally see that too. 
of of putting him back there. But I, I just I, I love I like Jonathan India at the leadoff spot, and because he also does have a little bit of speed too. This team does not have speed whatsoever. <laughs> he does have so there is the element of maybe he can actually steal a base if he, if he gets on base. I think the Reds are, if not the worst, one of the worst uh, te- teams as far as stealing bases go in, in baseball this year. Yeah, it, you know, India, when he's doing well, he almost reminds me of what you kind of hope to get from Nick Senzel. Mm-hmm. As that speed kind of plays with that edge, uh, that fire. Um, you know, when he when he brings that, I, I think definitely a worthy of a leadoff guy. I think Nick Senzel's the same way. If Nick Senzel was healthy and hitting the way people expect, he'd be a perfect leadoff guy as well. Um, so I, no call, no qualms for me if, you, if that's the way it continues because – um, you know, just a matter, just a matter of getting guys on base for Winker and Castellanos. Because I mean, pitchers have to be freaking out when that happens. When you have two guys on base and one of those guys is coming up to the plate, just with how hot they've been. Right, exactly. And that that comes. To the, uh, it's still early, but how much? Actually, that, I know Reds fans are talking about, but how much conversation nationally is uh, Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos getting as far as like MVP votes, and, and will it hurt them? to be on the same team, you know, as far as if they are into, you know, they keep doing this throughout the year, as far as they get into the MVP race, would hurt them being on the same team as far as you're taking votes away from each other? Maybe. I mean, I I think, you know, you you don't know who's more valuable. I mean, even covering this team, I I couldn't tell who's Winker Cassianos, who's been the more valuable player. Um, But last year in the American League, it was uh, Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson. I think they both finished top three or top four. Um, Abreu won. But it was one of those two where it was like back and forth the whole season, both having great seasons. And I think Tim Anderson at, in September at one point said, you know, Abreu I think is more valuable or something. And that kind of shifted things towards Abreu. But um, so I don't think it's a negative thing. But, you know, just covering this team on a daily basis, I, I couldn't tell you who's more valuable. They're both – they yeah. both have streaks where both have been incredible. Yeah, I mean, and that, that- – uh, if it wasn't for those two, this team would be in just a world of trouble. I mean, it's they're having two of the greatest seasons that I've ever seen in my life, and uh, yeah, if if they're not here, I don't, geez, I don't know what we, we would be doing. But Nick, let's get to, to Nick Senza, who I uh, people, some people, have, uh, some of my friends, like, oh, he's a bust. Like, he's not a bust. Oh, he's injury prone. Like, okay, maybe he might be a little injury prone, but he's not a bust, and he's. What irritates me with Nick seems like every time he really starts getting on a hot streak, he gets injured. <laughs> I mean, Votto, like it happened. He started to get hot. He got injured. Votto was starting to get hot. He got injured. And it's just Nick Senzel. Do you think moving him, like moving him around the multiple positions? Do you think that kind of puts him in awkward positions to get more to get injured more often? Or or because when he got, I didn't even know he hurt his knee. When he got hurt, you know, I know he dove for a ball, but he didn't hit the wall or, or anything. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, he's getting knee surgery. It's like, what do you think they could do to help him to, I don't know, stop getting so injured? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the big question for them. I mean, obviously, I think I think you have to consider everything. It's just one of those where it's been so many different injuries. It's not like it's something if he just had like a, a bad ankle and it just kept popping up or a bad knee and that was just every season was the problem, but it's seems like it's something different every season. Um, so I, I think that's the toughest part is trying to figure out what's causing it all. Um, you know, may, maybe moving to the infield, which he started to do a little bit more just because Naquin and um, Shogo was coming back to in center field. So um, starting to play a little bit more infield, maybe, maybe that 
reduces the stress a little bit on on the injuries. But you know, I I wouldn't. I'd say it's too early to say he's a bust too. Yeah. Uh, it's disappointing that you know he came in as a top ten overall prospect in baseball. I mean, he got a standing ovation in his major league debut. Um, people saw him as kind of you know the next great hitter. Um, he, ha- he hasn't been that so far, but I think he's only 24, maybe 25. So, I mean, it's still, you know, Jesse Winker struggled with injuries at the beginning of his career too, not to this extent, but, um, you know, his first two seasons were kind of cut short by injuries. And um, you look at what he's doing now, I, I think it's too early to say he- he's never going to be a good hitter. He's never going to be a great player. Um, it's just one of those, it just seems like there's a new injury every time. Uh, every few months, and I, I, I couldn't tell you a reason why. Yeah. Now let's get, get to Nyquist. Have you heard anything? Is is he day to day? Did he uh, did he like completely pull his hamstring? Did he just tweak it? Or what? what I, I I didn't totally hear the whole uh, report of of where he's at health wise. Yeah, it just sounds like he um, sounded more precautionary. I mean, that's the hope at least. Right. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it happened on that when he got picked off second base. Tried, thought about going to third when Stevenson got thrown out of the plate and then tried to dive back. But hamstrings are tricky, so, I mean, that, that's probably the toughest part, especially for an outfielder. Yeah, so it seems like there's been a lot of – I heard uh, John Sadak and, and um, Chris Welch talk about that this weekend, that there was a lot of soft tissue injuries this year. And I was just kind of thinking to myself, I wonder if it had anything to do with, you know, last year, well, I played 60 games, you know, it was a really short season, and we're getting close to – the 60 game point now. So is it a matter of just getting their bodies used to playing, you know, 162 games and not 62, not 60 games. I mean, is that, you think that might be what's going on or just, it's just interesting that there's so many soft tissue injuries. Yeah. I bet that's a big part of it. I mean, you look at what they were probably doing this time last year is a lot of guys, um, you know, I'm sure they're still staying in shape, but they weren't playing every day. They weren't in baseball mode for, um, three or four months, then they had to ramp up really quickly. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, baseball's a grind. I mean, that's just what happens. And I, I think soft tissue is kind of where it would show up the most is, you know, you're not used to playing 21 straight games without a day off. And I think last year it, it probably hit some injuries too that, you know, every game mattered so much. I mean, if this was the last week of the season, you know, guys are going to be playing through everything right. possible that they can. Now it's a little bit different when you see you still have three months left, and it's like, okay, I don't want to be hobbled for three months. That's not going to help the team either. Right, exactly. Now, one good thing about the the outfield situation with this Reds team, that is the deepest part of this ball club. Now, if Nyquin doesn't play, that means Shogo actually gets to play, which I'm all for. I, I'm a big Shogo fan. I'm not nothing against Nyquin. I, I like Nyquin too. He's been a, a pleasant surprise, you know. Um, but I think this is a good opportunity for if Nyquin is out for a little while for Shogo to actually get an opportunity to play every day. Cause for some reason, David Bell does not play him that much. And I don't understand why. And, and it's really surprising to me, especially since uh, Bob Cassini is didn't want to spend that much money this year. You have one of your most expensive guys on the bench 90% of the time that that's been very shocking to me that they haven't pushed more to get Shogo out there basically because they're paying him a lot of money to sit on the bench and, or be a pinch hitter. Yeah. And I think it has to do with, uh, you know, Votto's out. Moustakas is out. That's a lot of power out of your lineup. And Nikon has that and Akiyama does not. And I, I think that probably played a factor in it. It was saying, okay, you know, you're not going to bet Shogo fourth. So, you know, if you want power in the lineup, you're going to have to go with Nikon. He, he was swinging the bat. Well, I think he's top 10 in the league in RBIs. Um, 
So he's making the most of his opportunities. It surprised me that Shogo's not didn't make a little bit more spot starts. You know, maybe like three games for Naquin, one for Shogo, something like that, right. or two, two or one, two for one. So I was surprised that didn't happen a little bit more. And also, our CDs Aquino's back in these uh, mm-hmm. two. So uh, you, you'll really have a, a quite different outfield with all the guys healthy. Yeah, that, that's the cool thing is we just came off this this four game uh, sweep of the, of the Tweety Birds. And guys are starting to come back. Like I said, Votto will probably be back Tuesday. Uh, Aquino is coming back soon. Hopefully, Moose will be back soon. But uh, uh, Michael Lorenzen, he's coming back. So we're starting to get healthy, which is a good thing. So hopefully, all this is all turning around at the, at the right time and the Reds can hit their stride. Because even at the beginning of the year, and this is when I said when we were 6-1, uh, and one, I said, we're doing all this. And our starting pitch, I mean, our starting pitching hasn't been that great, you know, uh, uh, Vado wasn't hitting. Gino wasn't hitting. I mean, Gary wasn't pitching that good. And we're doing all this then, and we're still winning. Well, it's June, and we're four games out. We're still in it, and it looks like people are starting to come around. I don't know about Gino, and I don't know about Garrett, but at least Gray's coming around. Um, uh, Luis Castillo is coming around, and guys are starting to get healthy. So hopefully, uh, the Reds could be hitting. Their stride, at least that's what I'm hoping we're getting to. Point, hitting the stride of playing the best ball that they play. Because I think this past weekend is the best all around baseball I've seen them play from offense to defense to to uh to, to hitting. I mean, the, the, the double play that Tucker Barnhart pulled off was awesome. You had that play, you had Shogo with a diving catch, you had Naquin with a, a catch, Winker had a nice play. I mean, there's so many good plays that was kind of surprising. We haven't had a lot of good defensive plays this year. So what's your thoughts on, do you think the Reds are hitting, getting at the right stride here or is, are we, is this just the, you know, fairy dust that we're watching right now? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with your point about how important these Milwaukee series is, I mean, you have Milwaukee, this one, and then um, they go to Milwaukee and play them again in a week. Um, so they'll have six games against them and, you know, a, a pretty short window, um, six of the next nine games against them. So I think that'll be kind of the big test because, I, you know, like 2019, they swept the Houston Astros at Great American Ballpark. I don't know if you remember that one, but mm-hmm. it was a three-game sweep. They beat uh, Wade Miley, Justin Verlander, and Garrett Cole three straight days. Mm-hmm. First time the Astros team had been swept in a long time, um, and they were hoping that was going to be a statement. And then, um, you know, injuries piled up, and they obviously 2019, they didn't go very far. Right. So you don't try to look too much into one series. I mean, the Cardinals were banged up. So I, I could see it either way. There's a lot of encouraging signs. Um, obviously, you'd rather be in this position than a team that just got swept and now you're seven. Right. Um, well, well I, I think they're in a good spot. Yeah, and the thing with 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 beating and sweeping the the Tweety Birds is, like I said, it's the first time we. No matter how down the Tweety Birds are, see they they always have our number and they always beat us. You know, and it's been since 1990. For us to, to sweep them in St. Louis, so it's not it's not only that we swept them; it's it's who we swept, you know, and, and how to me how big a a momentum builder this could be for the team because it, it's just been they've always been a thorn in our side for how many years now, and to get that done, I really, I think it's a really big confidence booster, especially uh, Sunday's game. You 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 blow a seven run lead, and you still win. You know, you you did almost everything you could do wrong, and you still won the game. So to me, that that's that those are just good signs, good momentum things going into hopefully rolls in 
to the Milwaukee series, which like I said, Milwaukee's is a very good team. It's that there are, like you said, they're a very hot team right now, and it's going to be harder. You can't if you blow a seven run lead against Milwaukee, you're, we're probably going to lose. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like going back to your point, I mean, the like the defense and everything stepping up. I mean, the Cardinals had the first game Thursday. They had the game time run at first base. Um, you know, when Barnhart turned that double play. The next night, they had the tying run at the plate in their five to two win. Um, you know, the following game, I think the tying run was at second base um, when they won Saturday, and then obviously, um, you know, it's Lucas Sims stranded two guys on base with the one run lead yesterday. So it's one of those things where the Cardinals could have won any of those four games. It wasn't like they they ran away with it. Sunday, they, the Reds probably should have run away with it, but um, you know, the, the fact that they were able to come away with four wins, four close wins. Um, I, I think says a lot about where they're at. Just if, if you can win one run games and close games, uh, I, I think that's the biggest sign that a team's growing and um, capable of winning, you know, a, as the season goes on. Yeah. I, I, that's brings up to another stat I heard. I wish I would have wrote it down, but uh, I think the Reds have a better quote. Uh, if I'm, if you know, if I'm wrong, tell me, but I think they have a better winning percentage this year in one run games than they had, all of last year. Yeah, that's probably right. And I think I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. They were really like one run games. They were terrible. And I yes. mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, like 15 games below 500 in one run games. So the fact they're, you know, you look at them in extra innings too. The, the Reds have been really, really good in extra innings. Um, you know, obviously it's a little bit different with the rule, the, the runner at second base, but um, you know, the, they've taken advantage of that as much as they could. And um it's a great sign they're winning one earned games, especially when we talk about the bullpen that they have. Um, you, you would think they would lose more one run games because of their bullpen, but that hasn't been the case. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I hate, I mean, uh, I hate the ghost runner. I think it's the dumbest thing ever, but <laughs> the Reds have completely taken advantage of that. And they, I think, I know one time they did have the best record uh, in extra inning games. I don't know because they haven't played one in, in, in a little while, but for a while there, they were playing them, seemed like every week they had at least one or two. I know they haven't played in a while. I know they, they did have the best record. I don't know if they still do or not. Do you know? And they, they had the most wins by far. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Just haven't looked in a while. Yeah, it's it's it very. It's just I don't know. How do you feel about about some of the rule changes that that they've made? Do you like the Ghost Runner, or, or how do you feel about it? I actually I actually like that one. Um, just because it adds extra strategy to it, um, something different. Uh, to me, baseball is the one sport where fans left when overtime began. You know, like NFL, you go to overtime, fans are not going nuts. NBA, yeah. thing, NHL, same thing. Baseball is the one where it was like, oh, 12th inning. I'm a, yeah. Well, <laughs> well somebody just hit a home run and in the game. Come on. <laughs> I want to go home. Exactly. It was just one of those. It just turned into like a home run derby, just waiting to see which team was going to hit one out. Right. Uh, so I, I'm all for that one. I don't, I don't like like the three batter minimum. I don't, I don't think that really has any effect. Um, it doesn't make the game any quicker, which was, I think, the point of the rule. No. So, so that one I'm not in favor of. I mean, that's good. That's seriously. I don't know if anything is really going to make the game. I mean, unless everybody pitches like Wade Miley, that makes the game quicker. I mean, other than that, I don't know what you do. And, and to me, it's not necessarily – to me, baseball is more exciting when there's action. You know, there's guys on base. There's hitting and running. There's good defensive plays. You know, it's to me honestly, it's boring if it's a strikeout, strikeout. Oh, that guy hit a home run. Wow, he hit it to the river. That's very impressive. 
that hit the ball to the river. But that's all the action I saw. I mean, I'd rather see some good defensive play, some 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 guys stealing base, stealing bases, stuff like that. And that's I mean, that's the way it was when, when I grew up. So and I, that's where I'm like, I, I think they worry about too much about trying to speed the game up, and they've kind of taken away what the game is. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent I was talking to a St. Louis writer after uh, that first win. It was four to two Reds win on Thursday, I believe. That was fun. It was a great, well played game. I think it was three hours, but it was just one of those. Um, you know, the, the the Reds hit their homers. The Cardinals were playing great small ball. Um, had great defense. It was one of those games that it was just a lot of fun to watch. And um, I, I think no one pays attention to like football pace of play. And I, football games are as long as you know long. They seem longer now than they were. Five exactly. Years. They got all um, the commercials in there now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think, you know, it's just there's not many hits. You know, obviously Reds fans have been lucky to watch Cassianos and Winker do what they do. But, um, you know, the league batting average is as low as I think it's an all-time low right now um, of any time. So if you get more hits, if you provide more action, I, I think fans aren't really going to care if a game's five minutes shorter or longer right. um, than it usually is. Well, that, and that comes to the new the – new, uh... Well, I don't know. If it's, it's not a new rule. It's they're enforcing that they can't have sticky stuff on their fingers now, and I, I think it's all to to try to increase the off. I hate see. I hate saying offense because to me, offense means scoring, and, it, and baseball doesn't necessarily mean scoring. It just means hitting the ball, <laughs> you know, putting it in play, you know. So that that's where I think that they're because they, they're talking about lowering the mound again, or, or yeah, lowering it, right? Not raising it, lowering it. Uh, moving it back too. Moving it back, yes. They're talking about all, all this stuff, and and to me that that's that's to to increase you know the action, and to me what would increase the action is if the players would actually try to just which I know it's it's easier said than done, but they're major league baseball players hit the ball instead of trying to hit a home run every time. You know, if you're down, uh, you know, o two, you know, short your swing ups. You know, don't, don't try to kill it. Just put the ball in play. Those are the philosophies of baseball when i was a kid that's what you did if you were <laughs> you know you're oh two and you're swinging for the fences dude i might have got yanked out of the game by my coach <laughs> like what are you doing you know, now it's like oh that's great like no and that's to me where they, they've changed their their philosophy that striking out isn't a bad thing which you know you can look at the analytics or whatever i'm not talking about that i'm just talking about the the the, the view of the game and the way it's played now if you put a ball in play, it's more fun. Even if you hit it at somebody, it's still more fun than a strikeout. It just is. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's there's a lot of things that have gone into it. I mean, I think the way guys are being coached has, has changed. I mean, I think there's more of an emphasis on homers. You're, you're going to get paid more if you drive in more runs, if you hit more homers. That's just kind of a fact of life. Um, and I, I think, you know, changing the spin on the baseball, if you can kind of get rid of the sticky stuff. I, I just think it's that much harder to hit, and I think that's why guys are doing a little bit more in terms of swinging a little bit more for the fences. Is just, hey, if we can't hit this guy's best slider, if this guy throws a great slider, there's no chance of me hitting right. it or doing any damage against it. I might as well swing for the fence, and if I run into one, I run into one. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I mean, strikeouts used to be embarrassing to strike out, and now it's like, um, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I just think – there's not enough emphasis on hitting the ball the other way. There's not enough emphasis on um, two strike approach and that type of thing. But that that's, I, I think it's been trending this way for like the last 10 years and it's going to take a while to get back to what it was. I, I, I do think it's cyclical. 
it'll go back and forth, but it, it's going to take a little while. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, too, is, is you know, guys are coming out of the bullpen and throwing 90, 90, 96 miles an hour. You don't have to swing that hard. If you, if you hit it right, they'll provide the power. That's another thing I, I don't get everybody is trying to swing so hard. You don't have to. If you if you hit the ball right, it's going out. So anyway, uh let's see. I got a couple comments here, and I'll let you get on out of here. Uh Greg says, I saw a tennis match that was always four hours. Rob Manford should run the USTA and come up with ways to shorten tennis matches. There you go. So, we'll we'll see. Rob, Rob Manford is I call him the clown. He's not one of my favorite guys either. I just, I, don't, I don't even know if he actually watches baseball, to be honest. Some of the uh decisions he makes but uh bobby i i enjoyed you having, having you on the show tell everybody your twitter handle and uh you got any cool articles that you've uh, written here lately you want to tell people about her yeah just go to uh, cincinnati.com that's where the all the articles will be um i had a conversation with nick crawl that'll be up tomorrow um and then my twitter handle at nightingale jr um it should be an exciting series against the brewers so hopefully a lot to tweet about Exactly. Exactly. It was a lot of fun this weekend. So, Bobby, I enjoy it. Thank you for coming on the show, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad we could do this. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, guys. That was cool. I enjoyed having Bobby on here. I like talking some Reds. You know, I guess I guess uh, Steve was tired of hearing about the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we know the Reds swept the card of the K. I'm gonna go listen to WLW now. <laughs> like, all right, uh, go check out my boy Lance. I enjoy Lance, but I hope you guys like that. Uh, tomorrow I have uh, what do I have on tomorrow? I forgot. It's not Evan McAleese. Uh, let's see here. Tomorrow, oh yeah, we're gonna be talking some fantasy football. Uh, I know it's off season, but I know there's guys out there who are you know fantasy uh, fanatics. So uh, from Underdog Sports, we're gonna have Hayden Winks on talking some fantasy football. So it should be an interesting conversation i am not really a big fantasy guy i am going to join the orange arrows fake and if you guys have not done that yet i recommend that you do it because it's going to a good cause and plus you guys if you don't i'm going to dominate the league i'm going to win anyway just kidding all right let's get to uh jungle to the hall i'm trying to mention this as much as i can we are less than two weeks out uh, if you have not registered yet, please register. It's on Bengal Jim's uh, Twitter page. He's got a pin to the top. Go there, register. Make sure we get as many Bengals fans as we can get there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know you guys probably heard Jim on almost every radio station around here in Cincinnati. So make sure we get as many Bengals fans as we get up there so we get Ken Riley and Ken Anderson into the Hall of Fame. It's all free. All you got to do is show up, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I appreciate every single one of them. And they are Hootay Nation. Get it right here. Cincinnati Bengals the Jungle. Bengals Nation. Bengals Hootay Nation. Bearcat Country. Ohio State Bucknuts. The Ice Bar. And you can follow me on all my social media platforms. All under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Twitter ha- handle is Jeff A. Trenopole. That's T R E N N E P O H L. I'm on TikTok under Sports Strawberry Ice. The handle is Iceman90. I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight if you missed any of the interview with Bobby Nightingale. And you don't want to watch for an hour? You can listen to it. Uh, check it out on Proach wherever you get your podcast. I'm on Bean Pod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. They said Proach wherever you get your podcast. I'm there. YouTubers, 
We're doing awesome. 1,128 subscribers. I appreciate every single one of you guys. This has been so much fun. I enjoy doing this. I'm glad you guys enjoy watching me. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors about Sports Strawberry Ice. People are wondering where Jeremy's at. Jeremy, I think he'll be on tomorrow. We will see what happens. Uh, he's trying like crazy to come back on the show. He really misses it. It's killing him that he can't come on. But hey, when you got to work, you got to work. Got to make that money. So hopefully Jeremy will be back on tomorrow. But until then, remember one thing and one thing only. And that is, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? Go Reds. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!